0: Today, we reflect on an answer to a desire that we have. God has granted a request that our hearts have made in giving us the law. Now, we might hear that and think, whoa, okay, that's not actually what I desire. Like Rules are not my cup of tea. I'm not a big fan. In fact, that's been the part of Christianity or Catholicism my whole life that I've kind of bucked against is, I don't like all the rules. I don't understand maybe why we can't do that or have to do this. So how can I be saying up here that the law is actually what our hearts desire? In fact, the psalm goes further. It says, The law of the Lord is perfect, refreshing the soul. The decree of the Lord is trustworthy, giving wisdom to the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, Rejoicing the heart. The command of the Lord is clear, enlightening the eye. The law enlightens the eye, rejoices the heart, gives wisdom to the simple, and refreshes the soul. But I don't think we look at it that way very often. But here's how the law is, in fact, a response, God's answer to what our hearts desire. The law It's God giving us the way that we need to live. It gives us a meaning and a purpose that we're not just kind of drifting through life, following the currents of the world, being tossed to and fro, but instead that we can actually stand up for something. The law is God who loves us saying, this is the way that I created you to live. This is how I designed you. This is how you can flourish. The law is God saying to us, you matter. Your actions, your choices matter. I actually have a way that I want you to live because you matter. I care about it all. The external actions as well as the interior dispositions, God says all of it, I actually care about it. And so I give you a way to live. The reason why the people in the book of Nehemiah, the assembly wept, was not just weeping, because for generations, they had not, they had forgotten about this law. They didn't know it. They were also weeping tears of joy that finally they knew what God required of them. Because it's so tough to get through this life and have no idea. To think, yeah, I guess I have some vague sense of right and wrong, but I don't actually know what God wants me to do. What's beautiful all through the law and the prophets is it's God telling his people, let me make it clear for you. Right? The command of the Lord is clear, enlightening the eye. He doesn't want us stumbling in darkness, but instead he wants to be a light for us. But he also doesn't want our hearts to just content themselves with the little passing pleasures of this tiny little th- joy and that tiny little one. No, he wants our hearts to be able to rejoice in knowing that we are living as we were designed to live. That we are embracing a gift of life eternal. That we are doing that which God wants us to do. The law is a great gift. But the law, which of course is expressed in Scripture, but then also has continued in all of the teachings of the church, the law is great. A glorious gift from the Lord who actually spells out for us the way that he wants us to live. But it's not enough. Because it's hard. Right? It's not only hard, Without the grace of God, it's actually impossible, right? For us to, we are, we are broken in such a way in the, the fall of humanity. We're broken in such a way that we can't actually, on our own, live up to even the demands of our nature, right? Even human nature, to live up to the dignity of being human, we often fail in that. In some of the basic natural law that you don't even need God to reveal, Right? Don't kill, don't lie, don't cheat, don't steal. Even there, we get it wrong. Right? We might not kill as in like take someone's life, but we might try to kill their reputation. We might in our hearts bear hatred toward them. We might try to um, hurt them in various ways. We might not steal officially, but you know, we'll cut little corners here, maybe take a little thing from work. In even the basic natural law, we don't get it right. But then God reminds us that we're not, we don't just have a nature, we have a supernature, right? He, he has lifted us up to an even higher level of being in our baptism, so he calls us to something even higher, to not just the natural law, but he actually says, you know what? I want you to not just refrain from hating, I want you to actually love. I don't want you to just refrain from committing adultery. I want you to have a purity in your heart to where your desires can even be transformed. So we realize the law is a tall order. Even though we thank God for giving us uh, an explanation of the way that he wants us to live, we realize living up to that, man, that's hard. And that's where we need the fulfillment of the law. Do you know what the fulfillment of the law is? We read about it in the gospel. Jesus said to them, Today this scripture passage is fulfilled in your hearing. The fulfillment of the law and of the prophets, of everything that the Old Testament foretold, is Jesus Christ. It is love incarnate that is the fulfillment of the law. Because he gives us not just a model to imitate, he is not just some lawgiver that from a distance says, you've got to live this way, good luck with that. Instead, he is the very one that makes us capable of living up to the high demands of our human nature and the even higher demands of our baptismal character. The fact that he has imprinted himself on our souls, that, that's a tall order to live up to Christianity, and yet he makes it possible because he incorporates us into himself. He says, I'm not going to from a distance require you to do this. I'm instead going to invite you into a deep communion with myself so that I can fill you with my grace and make you capable of doing this. He gives us his very life in order to be able to go well beyond our natural capabilities to actually be able to live out Christianity. It's an incredible thing. Well, we often don't think of it that way. We don't think of the law as the fulfillment of our desires. We don't think, oh, that we want the law, but then when we reflect on it, we realize, yeah, I actually do want to know right from wrong. I actually do want to know the purpose and the meaning of my life. I actually do want to be led in a particular direction, stand for something true. But then we often think, I, I have to do it alone. Then we fail and we get very angry and start self-loathing even instead of realizing, wait, God doesn't, want me to just do it alone. This isn't his test to see how great I am. He already knows I'm not great. What he wants is to be able to fulfill the law in me through the communion with him that I have. But how do we have communion with him? How do we become one with God himself? Well, through maintaining that relationship. Right? We do it beautifully and in the most exalted way in the sacraments, Right, where in the sacrament of reconciliation, when we've ruptured that relationship, we can be brought back in. Then when we receive our blessed Lord in the Eucharist, then at that point we have this deep communion with him. But if that is the full extent of our communion with him, we're missing out. Because the sacraments are um, the peak. to the, the, They are the... Not only the cherry on top, they're much more than that, but they, they are the summit. But we need something of which they're the summit, right? We need an entire lived relationship with the Lord to where our only encounter with Him isn't when we're in the church, but that every single moment, every single breath can be done in communion with the Lord. And so how do we build up that relationship that makes us capable of living out the law? We do so... Through prayer. And we might think like, yeah, I get it. Father, I've been trying this prayer thing for decades now. But when I when I mean prayer, or when I say prayer, I don't mean just saying your prayers. Just those uh, prayers that we memorized as children. Those are great, and, and, and we need them. But we also need more than them. They can't be the full extent of our relationship because... A relationship is built upon more. It's built upon self-revelation. right? Every relationship we've ever had, it grew because we were willing to share some of ourselves with another person, and that other person was willing to share some of themselves with us. And that's how it needs to be with God. Because I can learn stuff about you all. I could be super nosy, ask your neighbors, like, hey, what are their habits? What are they like? What do they not like? Not only would that be creepy, but it also wouldn't actually draw us closer together. I would know things about you, but I wouldn't know you. And so God already knows everything about us. He's already there for every moment of our lives, every thought that passes through our minds. But he wants us to be able to reveal freely to him what's going on, so that we can build up that relationship. Also, he's revealed himself to us. He already took the first step. If we want to know about him, just like we want to know about somebody else, we would ask them questions. We'd say, okay, what's your history? Uh, What do you like? What do you not like? All of sacred scripture is God revealing himself little by little to the people of Israel and then to the, the early Christian community. And it is his same self-revelation to ourselves. If we want to know about him, he's already extended that invitation. But then he wants to know about you. And so do you, on a daily basis, speak with the Lord as you would with a good friend? Because here's the wild thing. He actually cares about you. All of the little details. Those things that a lot of people, even your closest friends, at a certain point, they'll say, enough already. I get it. You're worried about this or about that. Or you're super excited about something. And maybe the first eight times that that you tell them about it, they're all ears. But by time number nine, they're going like, okay, I get it. You like this thing. Great. With God, he doesn't say enough be quiet now, I'm busy with other things. No, that, that doesn't exist for an infinite God who has infinite time for you. This God who is able to, because he's infinite, place all of the intention you would ever need on you. And in doing so, doesn't exhaust his possibility to do that for every other person. The wild thing is that in God, we have someone who actually cares And yet sometimes we don't trust him enough with sharing what's going on. So that's what we can start doing. If we want to live up to the law, if we want to have a life that has meaning, purpose, direction, then we need that relationship with the Lord first. That relationship with the Lord that that is nourished in a beautiful way in the sacraments, but needs to be nourished in a daily manner through our prayer. And then we're able to start living out that law that gives us our marching orders. But we realize we have a very special role to play in it. Because all of us are what St. Paul beautifully described as members of the one body. So as Jesus Christ is the fulfillment of the law and the prophets, you know what is the fulfillment of his mission across space and time? This is wild. It's actually you. Right? You are the fulfillment of Christ's mission because you have been baptized into his body. You have become members of Christ Jesus. This is not a loose metaphor. This is the reality of your being that he has brought you up to his very level by grace to where you, by grace, are what he is by nature. You get to participate in his very work of saving the world. Sometimes we don't think of it that way. We think, as members of the church, that just means we're in this particular club, and these are the rules that we have to live by, and that's about it. Instead of realizing you have a unique part in the, sal- in the, the mission of salvation that God has for the world, That you have this this cocktail of uh, strengths and weaknesses and, and gifts and setbacks that nobody else in the world ever has or ever will have. And God wants to work through all of it in order to continue his mission in the world. You are the fulfillment of Christ's mission on earth. With that comes a huge responsibility, but also a great dignity, a huge honor. So that's what we can pray about this week. We can pray, first of all, thanking God for the law and the teachings of the church. We can say, thank you, Lord, for loving me enough to let me know what I'm supposed to do. Because how cruel would it be if he held us up to a standard but never told us what that standard was. Instead, he says, everything that I expect of you, I've made quite clear. Then, not only that, we thank him for the fact that he makes us capable of it through the grace that we receive in our relationship with him and in the sacraments. But then we recommit ourselves to nourishing that relationship, to making it something that that is a lived part of our daily life, rather than just something that we rekindle every few weeks, every few months. And then having really recommitted ourselves to that relationship, we can finally start living out that mission that God has for us. Each of us is a unique member of that body each of us with a unique role in that mission. We can ask God at this Mass. We can ask God throughout this week, Lord, what part do you have for me to play? Because I know that I am a member of your body. I know that I I have a part to play in your work of salvation. And I am ready to hear what that part is that I have to play and to do my best by your grace to do it well.